0: Minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Arab Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
1: The song of Shabbos. I saw six million dying. They sang the song of Shabbos. I heard their last will crying. Sing.
2: i God bless you. Show, go, 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 Of my peace of
3: Malay, Malay, I'm Love. Malay, i is <laughs> Borah. Shall I, Malay, I'm Love. I'm Love. i is Ay, 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 shalom, malachem, <laughs> malachem, yashodem.
0: In the A.M. Friday morning at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, J.M. and the dot How you doing, everybody? Welcome to a Friday on this November the 15th, day 12 in the month of Kisle. Nice combination of... Uh, Chaim David and Regesh, a lot of good uh, erev Shabbos material for you, including that Regesh selection, Kari Bone, and Shalom Aleichem off Regesh Volume Three. Yachad was uh, Chaim David with Lo Sevoshi from Grateful and Alive, the live at the Kalbach Shul selection, and Shlomo Kalbachs. I am uh, the whole world is singing the song of Shabbos and Regesh. Modani, opening things up as we say good morning. It's erev Shabbos parshas Vayishlach with candle lighting time. At 4.17 on this era of Shabbos. I think I did see a couple of 4.19s and a couple of 4.20s. But we're going with the earliest one we find. That's what we do here at JM and the AM. The earliest one we could uh, we could dig up. That's when we're making everybody start Shabbos. 4.17. We're calling it official candlelighting time on this era of Shabbos. And because it's only a couple of weeks, we're not really used to it yet, make sure you leave plenty, and I mean plenty, of extra time, no matter where you're heading this Friday afternoon. A 37 degrees outside with 60% humidity. Winds of south at 4 miles per hour. Partly cloudy today with a high temperature of 57. Then tonight, cloudy skies, low 43. Tomorrow, morning clouds, afternoon sun. A high Shabbos, 58 degrees. Not bad. Yerushalayim at 77. 75 in Tel Aviv. 77 in Haifa. A lot at 81. We're at 37 degrees here on a... Uh, Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. And I want to remind everybody, especially those who are in the Five Towns area, that we've got a big day on our network today. And I mean a really big day on our network because um, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM in the AM, and if you like giveaways and you like cool stuff, I'm strongly suggesting that you head on over on this one. Uh, at 9 o'clock this morning, Naomi Nachman is doing Table for Two live, and I mean live, in person, from uh, AHC Appliances in Cedarhurst, New York. She's going to be at 530 Central Avenue from 9 till about 1030. Uh, it'll be a super size show with giveaways, cooking demonstrations, and more. Shifra Klein will be there from Joy of Kosher magazine. Um, uh, unfortunately, Jay Bookspan was not going to be able to be there. Uh, Jay's uh, uh, father passed away. The funeral was yesterday, and our condolences to the uh, Booksbound family and the extended family. Jay's father was a great man, and um, and uh, obviously for obvious reasons, Jay will not be there today. But hopefully, there'll be a representative on the topic of uh, kosher wines. Um, you'll also uh, uh, and there'll be the amazing team at AHC will be there as well. Sponsors and those who are tossing in uh, uh, gifts, etc., uh, today include Empire, uh, Coal Foods, uh, Meats, Gourmet Glot, Studio Ina and Aurelie, Jewish Home, Jerusalem Florist, Fruit Platters, and more. So it's going to be a very exciting morning in Cedarhurst. Naomi Nachman, 9 o'clock this morning until 1030 at 530 Central Avenue. Make sure to head on over and join. Of course, you can hear it and watch it on our website, And we look forward to a really fun morning even after J.M. in the A.M. And speaking of fun and excitement and an unbelievable piece of news, last night so many of us, and boy is life different now, (laughs) the instantaneous information that gets shared around the world and when it's good news there's no better feeling. And last night I get an email from my friend uh, Robert Katz, who many of you know from this radio program from the last 30 years. And um we take this opportunity to wish a mazel tov to what, what we believe is. Our research department is is working to make sure that it's true. But we believe it is the first JM in the AM, second generation engagement. That is what we are assuming. <laughs> and, of course, it is a mazel tov to Jason Katz. Jason Katz is engaged to Rebecca Fine. ...of Teaneck, New Jersey. Jason Katz, Rebecca Fine. They are a very recently engaged couple as of last night. It is an unbelievable feeling to wish uh, Robert and uh, Renee and the entire uh, uh, extended families... ...and of course the Fine family, everybody involved, a very, very special mazel tov. Um, It is uh, just an incredible piece of news for us and obviously... Uh, for the Katz and Fine families as well, as you would suspect. Uh, Jason Katz and Rebecca Fine are a recently engaged couple. And uh, this happened last night. To Sarah Beth and Kevin Fine of Teaneck, New Jersey, we say Mazel Tov. Um, and uh, the big celebration is on. I spoke to somebody who was at the big celebration last night and said it was just amazing. So uh, Mazel Tov to... Um, this uh, recently engaged couple, the first second generation J.M. and the A.M. Uh, couple, uh, Jason Katz, Rebecca Fine, uh, really an incredible mazel tov, and I can't even believe that we've gotten to the stage where, thank God, thank God, we are able to share such amazing news and share such incredible joy and simcha uh, with each other and with the entire audience. Uh, we've come a long way. And this is obviously a very significant step and milestone in uh, our association with uh, with each other, and of course with the vast Jewish world. So, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, and uh, everybody should have uh, much nachas from the young couple, and we should celebrate uh, the wedding and many future smachot all together um, with uh, tremendous blessings from all of us in the Siegel family and of course everybody. At JM in the AM, 17 minutes before 7 o'clock. How about a little Asher Bara? Here's eight ton cats as we say mazel Tov at JM in the AM.
4: Asher <laughs>
0: Jam and the AM, a little bit of a uh, <clears throat> simintov Mozeltov set, which uh, we are dedicating, of course, to um, Rebecca Fine and Jason Katz, the recently engaged couple from last evening. Uh, still can't get over the news. Amazing and incredible. AKA Pella with Simintov, the Y-Studs, of course. Got to get the Y-Studs in there with Avat Yisrael, Shlomo Simchad Simintov, Eitan Katz, and Asher Bara. Yeah, I don't think they're related. I don't think the Katzes uh, and the Katzes uh, are related in this case. Uh, but they certainly uh, love the song Asher Barah, that's for sure. Friday morning, November the 15th at 12th of Kislev, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayishlach, with candle lighting time at 4.17 later today. 4.17. Candle lighting time. Before we get to our big Erev Shabbos music mix later in the day, and there's no better way to prepare for Shabbos, So make sure you tuned in with your computer, your iPhone, your, your app, your, uh, browser, uh, whatever method you, the listen line, whatever method you use to listen. Make sure you tuned in to the, uh, live stream all day long. But before we get to the Erev Shabbos music mix, this morning you're going to have an amazing opportunity out in Cedarhurst to hear Naomi Nachman do a live show with demonstrations with free giveaways, the whole bunch of stuff. She'll be at AHC Appliances at 530 Central Avenue with giveaways, cooking demonstrations, and more. Schiff recline of Kosher Magazine. Um, Associate sommelier Shlomo taking over for Jay. We uh, we, uh, told you earlier that uh, Jay lost his father. The funeral was yesterday, so our condolences to the Booksbound family. He'll be replaced by Shlomo from Royal Wines. He'll have a whole bunch of material coming up this morning. Uh, people like uh, Empire and Cold Foods Meats and Gourmet Glot and Studio Ina and Lee and Jewish Home and Jerusalem Florists and Fruit Platters, all are part of the show this morning starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmnam.org. You can watch it at nachomsiegel.com as well. Naomi Nachman, 10.30, it'll end, but 9 o'clock it'll start at 5.30 Central Avenue at AHC Appliances. Everyone go and enjoy. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. And our listeners sponsor WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. News from Israel next. Bokeh Toe from JM <laughs>
5: הממשל בסין בהחלטה היסטורית, נמתן מדיניות הילד האחד, כתבנו רון קלף. בחינוס מנהיגי המפלגה הקומוניסטית בבייג'ינג בתחילת השבוע, הוחלט על שורה של רפורמות, ביניהן מתן אפשרות לבני דור ראשון של מדיניות הילד האחד ללדת שני ילדים. מדובר בשינוי מדיניות משמעותי, לאחר שבמשך קרוב ל-40 שנה לא הותר קיומן של משפחות מרובות ילדים בעזורים רבים בסין. עוד הובח הסינית כי במסגרת הרפורמות גם מחנות העבודה הסינים הידועים לשמצה יסגרו. רוסיה מתונienneת למיקור למיצואים מתוסים ומסוככי כרע ב-2 מיליארד דולר, כACH מדוחים קליותי קשורת בmoskva. השבוע ביקروا בקahir סריאי האגנה והאיחוד של רוסיה, ונסיאון נחזהket עכשיוים בינה מדינות נוחה חללתת ארצות הברית להשלוח חלק מהסיועה הצפוי למיצואים לאחר חדחת אנסימורסי. לדברי בקיר במערACH ייצוץ הנשק, הנשק של רוסיה, יתחנך ייצוץ למיצואים מתוסים כרע מזדגם 220 ו-10, מהרחות מתקדמות מדד המחירים לצרכן בחודש אוקטובר עלה ב-3 עשיריות האחוז. כתבתנו יונה לייבזון.
1: בין העליות הבולטות, ההלבשה והנהלה שעלו ב-6% ו-4 עשיריות האחוז. העירקות והפירות התייקו ב-6% זינקה ב-64%. הדיור לא באשרית האחוז. בנהירידות הבולטות נחיר דלק שירד בخمישה אחוזים, שתי אסירות האחוז, והنسيיה לחקל שוזל בخمישה אחוזים נחיר דגמים עתיקים. ירד גם כן בארבע אחוזים וארבע אסירות האחוז.
5: במסחר במטבע החוץ הדולר נחלש היום ב-4 עשיריות האחוז ושערוע יציג 3 שקלים 51 אגורות ו-9 עשיריות האגורה. האירו ירד ב-3 עשיריות האחוז, ומחירו 4 שקלים, 73 אגורות ו-4 עשיריות מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע נאה עם ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. החדשות
0: in the AM with Benny Friedman. Shalom Aleichem. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach. Candle lighting at 4.17 on this Erev Shabbos. This coming Monday night, the Max and Ruth Schwartz Stay Road Hezer institutions under the leadership of Rosh Shiva Rabbi Dov Fendel is uh, inviting you and the American Friends of Stay Road, of course, inviting you to be part of of their 18th Anniversary Gala Awards Dinner. It happens this coming Monday night at the New York Marriott Marquis, Times Square. That's Broadway and 45th Street in New York City. The reception will begin at 6. The dinner will begin at 7 p.m. Many distinguished honorees. In fact, when Yassi Baumel was with us, we uh, had the opportunity to really pay tribute to the entire list of amazing people who are uh, being recognized as supporters and friends of Stay Rote. And uh, we mentioned that uh, there'll be music that night by Yehuda Katz of Revela Sheva catering by our good friends um Joey, Eddie, and Marty of Main Event Caterers, and a special guest in the United States. And this is aside from the keynote speaker, Mr. Naftali Bennett, who's going to be speaking on Monday night. And the special guest is the newly elected mayor of Sterot, Mr. Alon Davidi, a former yeshiva director, and somebody who's with us live via telephone with Rabbi Fentel this morning here at JM in the AM. First, Rosh Shiva Rabbi Fendel, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks a
6: lot. Good morning.
0: What a pleasure to speak to you. I assume you're in for the big dinner on Monday night, and you're looking forward to greeting hundreds and hundreds of great friends and supporters on Monday night. Once it's
6: on the radio, we know that's going to be a success.
0: <laughs> Baruch Hashem. You have with you the brand new mayor of Stay Road, Mr. Alon Davidi. Shalom, Mr. Mayor. Shalom, shalom, and good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to welcome you and to speak to you, and I look forward to meeting you Monday night, as so many people do. Rabbi Fendel, could you explain this phenomenon before we hear from the mayor? Could you explain this phenomenon that somebody associated with the yeshiva in Road, and I think you can affirm for us that Stayrode is not a majority Dati or religious population, how someone like Alon Davidi has been elected as the mayor of the city?
6: Well, first of all, he has a lot of charisma. Secondly, he was very active in uh, fighting and defending for the people of Stero when the Kassam Rockets were barraging. A part of the campaign was, will Stero turn into a religious town like B'nai Brak Be'er Be- They tried to scare, to scare the population. Wow. And alone, the mayor, said he went into houses, and they said, we're not scared. We know these guys. They teach our kids. They learn with our children in the same school shul there's a tremendous feeling of unity in the town and that's about it
0: on our visits to stay and whenever we've had you on the air you've described for us how the yeshiva is so much more than just the yeshiva and certainly along the lines of what you just described to us now that it's really the center of the community and that people of all different backgrounds feel connected to the yeshiva. It's an amazing accomplishment. A lot of yeshivas go into different towns and neighborhoods and don't get that type of reception.
6: That's true. Even though it's a new phenomenon that's happening all over Israel, it's an Dimona. But what's unique here is that they, we entered the political system in a beautiful way and, and to, to get involved in a lot of different populations and to be active and caring about a lot of different groups. Inside St. Road, that they could feel, that they could unite under someone like Elom Davidi.
0: That's why. Uh, that's another reason for people to be there Monday night. By the way, you want to pay tribute to real efforts for Achdut, real efforts for unity. Uh, yours is one to celebrate. Rabbi uh, Fendel is with us, Rosh Shiva of the Hezri Yeshiva of Road And, of course, our special guest is the mayor of Road, Mr. Alon Davidi. Mr. Mayor, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't start by asking about security and safety in Road. It's an issue that Rabbi Findel and I discuss whenever he's on. What could you tell us about the current situation, about what it's like to live next door to people who want to destroy the people of Road and the people of Israel?
7: Look, it's... Uh... If in the past before the operation in Gaza the the operation and the an operation we remember every day they drove the Kassam to the to our town now it's uh, it's uh, more more quietly but uh, you know i remember uh, yesterday before I go to the plant we have uh, some uh, we hear something uh, very uh, strong like heat. Of Kassam, and uh, I see my secretary she jump from from the uh, chair and look at the, to the window. So, yeah. what's happening is that we have a normal life today, but we have a big post trauma in our head, even our children. And so it's like you know, it's like you are uh, living normal uh, normal life, but you are uh, every day you wait because everyone in Israel, especially the leadership of Israel, knows. That what's happening in Gaza? I know that uh, uh, the the children there and the people there and the, all the system there, the uh, the, the education uh, uh, the, the education system. Speak about uh, to bring that to the to the, to our place and our and even we know that we are like uh, uh, in quiet war. Every morning we say to our children, and speak about. To bring uh, uh, more uh, life to, the, to our uh, to our area, especially to our to our city, you know, I think that uh, if if you want to bring an uh, uh, answer to the terror of uh, Gaza, it's just uh, to make Isdrot. You know, we have uh, 25,000 residents of Isdrot. Right. I want after five years we will have uh, 35 uh, residents in Isdrot.
0: Uh, may, brand new mayor of Stay Road, Mr. Alon Davidi, with, uh, with some lofty, uh, aspirations uh, for the city. Now, you directed the yeshiva, now you get to direct the city. I don't know which is easier, <laughs> working for the yeshiva or working as the leader of the city.
7: To be director my family, this is the, this is the hard uh, job. <laughs> my, my wife and I, we have uh, seven uh, kids, uh, wonderful kids and, uh, Look, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. I think the, 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 especially in, in the yeshiva of Zerot and, and the leadership of uh, Rabbi Fandel, when, when students come to yeshiva of Zerot, they it it don't, it, it don't just come to the Bet Midrash and sit and, you know, just uh, learn the Torah. Is learn the Torah that connects to the community in Zerot, the Russia community, the Ethiopian community. Even every morning they go to the school and learn Gemara with uh, our kids. This is the uh, this is the Torah Chaim,
8: right? Understood. And because
7: that, because that, even I elected uh, just uh, two weeks ago, and I come into my uh, uh, position, you know, just uh, two days ago. I think that this is uh, what the mayor of do: can come and say thank you to the yeshiva, to the wonderful yeshiva that make all the job in the Lord.
0: Well, you've answered my next question, which is, of course, just how important it is to make sure the yeshiva is strong, because that means. The community is strong. Everybody has an opportunity to meet the new mayor of Stay Road, Mr. Alon Davidi, this coming Monday night, along with the distinguished honorees, keynote speaker, Mr. Naftali Bennett, the head of the Bayt, uh, Beit Udi Party, the Jewish Home Party. And um, obviously, Rabbi Fendel will uh, will greet everybody and thank everybody for their support. Rabbi Fendel, um, I don't think we can emphasize enough how much the, the Jewish community, especially in these parts... Uh, The United States in general, but especially in New York and New Jersey, have really been partners with you to continue building the yeshiva and stay Road.
6: We have a lot of appreciation. We couldn't do it ourselves. There's a very special culture in America of, of love and giving and sharing and being part of what's going on even from far, and we don't take you guys for granted.
0: Well, that's appreciated, and we look forward to seeing you on Monday night. Information, anybody out there who would like to make a reservation for the American Friends of Stay Road dinner, and to meet the brand-new mayor, to meet Rabbi Fendel, to meet Naftali Bennett, and to pay tribute to the honorees and just have an unbelievably nice time. I've been to their dinner. It's always a great gala uh, happening at the New York Marriott Marquis at Times Square. Call uh, 718-673-4945, 718-673-4945, or go to the website, stayrote.org, S-D-E-R-O-T. Org. Rabbi Fendel, thank you so much. We'll see you Monday and a Shabbat Shalom to you. And Mr. Mayor, Mazal Tov to you and Shabbat Shalom.
7: Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom.
0: JM and the AM as we continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web at jmandtheam.org.
9: There I am Shabbat, Broadcast is a Pedro I Shabbat Zedula Shirle Le Shabbat Boi Hashem shalom, nishmat de y crack.
0: It's Yoel Sharabi. Uh, well, I'm, I'm about to speak to Mark Rosenberg. He's director of pre Aliyad Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, two thoughts before I do. First of all, uh, we um, we had coordinated with Nefesh Benefesh a few weeks ago to start a, uh, a program called Homeward Bound, uh, which you could hear both Tuesday and Thursday on our stream, what we call the Nachum Siegel Network at jmnam.org. Uh, And I just got to give kudos to Rabbi Egal Siegel. We knew that he'd be an effective host for that show, and to utilize the uh, half hour each session uh, for good questions and uh, interesting stuff for anybody even remotely thinking about moving to Israel. But it's beyond our expectations, so this is an opportunity for me to thank Rabbi Egal Siegel. He hosts Homeward Bound. Again, it's Tuesday and Thursday on our stream at jmandtheam.org and uh, we continue to recommend it to uh, everybody, whether it's in live fashion or in archived fashion, because if you are even possibly contemplating Aliyah, uh, every one of those sessions is just so valuable. So check that out and we'll remind you as, uh, as we get uh, closer to each of those broadcasts. The second thing is that um, as we continue to um, read about what's going on in Pine Bush and the uh, New York State School District upstate, I think one of the lessons, or and, and this is not everything, obviously. There's a lot of action that needs to be taken when there's anti-Semitism. But I think one of the messages we have to take away from stories like that is that we have to remember that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. And with that in mind, we continue to highly recommend all the incredible events that Nefesh B'Nefesh puts together in order to help facilitate all of us getting to Israel. In fact, I am told that Rabbi Egal Siegel is going to try to implement a segment where he's literally following a family from the beginning of the process until they get to Israel. How I hope that'll be me, Mark Rosenberg, director of Pre Aliyah, or I should say us. Uh, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Good morning. We can make that happen. See, if he if he goes ahead and dedicates time each week to follow a family to the Holy Land, I want it to be my family.
10: You know, there is short-term and long-term planning, so we can make that happen even (laughs) on a weekly basis.
0: I want to be considered in-between planning. I don't want anyone to call me short-term planning. I certainly don't want anyone to say it's long-term planning. I want to be the in-between planning. Nefesh Benefesh and Karen Kayem at the JNF, the Jewish Agency and the Ministry of Aliyah and Immigrant Absorption, present Think Israel! a conference for students and young professionals this coming Sunday at 12.30 p.m. in New York at 733rd Avenue between 45th and 46th Street. Ron Prostor, Israeli ambassador to the U.N., will be there to speak, as will Rabbi Yoshua Fast, the Nefesh Benefesh co-founder and executive director. Uh, Mark Rosenberg, why is there a Think Israel event? We know about seminars. We know about... uh, shows that are put on uh, Aliyah shows that, uh, that that are that are, where people can get information about Aliyah. What is unique about a Think Israel event?
10: It's a great question you ask. We have seen a trend of more and more people in their 20s that are coming on, on Aliyah, whether it's right after their gap year time in yeshiva um, or it's after college when they've sort of decided on a career path and see whether they can implement it in Israel. And we we think a lot of people are co- still contemplating, and it's it's kicking around in their thought processes. So we wanted to have an event. Um, we're, we're bringing to New York, and then also later in the week in Florida. It's an opportunity where people can have. There's a track to explore, Aliyah, what it means to actually find a job in Israel, and for other people who are thinking, is it possible? Like it's sort of what we talked at the be- beginning of the segment is it, it's cooking around there. Is it possible for them to think? Um, that this is uh, a path that they can consider. Therefore, they're going to meet our professionals and, and have some inspiration from the ambassador and our founder, but as well as network with other people who are Israel and Ali online. So that's sort of the conceptual idea for this event, timed at this point in the academic year so they can make plans um, appropriately for whether it's um, switching their courses to make it more appropriately for the professional decisions, um, or also network so they have an have a idea when the academic year is over, that they'll be able to um, actualize the, these plans.
0: The Sunday event is aimed at what age group?
10: I really think, um, you know, a young professionals is a broad term. You know, it depends what communities. Uh, the, Jewish, the general family just said they're young leaders, and I was told that's under 45. Um, this is really people, I guess, uh, you know, whether you're single or also, you know, newly married, young families, in their twenties and thirties, right? Because um, I'll, really I'll, is looking for people yeah. who are beginning their career path or have just begun, um, or finishing their, their um, master's degrees or BAs.
0: Because I'll tell you what strikes me, and and I've, I've read this announcement, you know, ten times, and it didn't hit me until you said it. Uh, I go back to, I guess I would call it my college years, maybe a year or two beyond that, and and I I was with a group of people. Who were seriously contemplating Aliyah and wondering if it's possible? Maybe a, a an event like this would have propelled our group to think about it even more seriously. Now, now I'm beginning to really understand, you know, the formation of this concept, where there are a lot of people who are thinking about it. But here, you're you're making it a little bit more concrete for them.
10: It's true. We just got a phone call from from a, 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 a woman who expressed her disappointment. And it was was directed at us because we counselled her because of the age of a child and you know the situation that was going that she should really consider whether wait a year or two the the child was just beginning high school and she was disappointed that she didn't do it sooner and I were like well you know you could have done it sooner it's not really our responsibility that you didn't make this decision sooner but it's it's precisely um, doing that research that is able to see that this is possible. Um, and I think that a lot of people, and I think about my, my my year in Israel, and a lot of people who you know traveled for all the Shabbatot that they went out, and they said, "Wow, well, this is something I really want to do." We want to push it a little bit farther to make sure that they have the professional opportunities and they have the support to realize this is really possible now or in the future. And don't We're forget... We're encouraging every, everyone to, who, who's, that's kicking around or this Shabbat, they're listening to the Parshans and say, you know, is there a place for me personally, professionally, in Israel, to come out and, and be with one another and be with our professionals?
0: And by the way, don't forget those of us who joined the Garin. You know, the, mm-hmm. those of us who, who who really thought, oh, we're being serious. You know, we're we're, yeah. si- we're signing a pledge that uh, we're, we're going to help establish a community in Israel. Hey, if you want to talk regrets, we could be here all morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, don't,
10: don't. I, think, I, I think that's why I just want to give kudos to um, you know our founders, Tony Goldberg, and Rabbi Yoshua uh, Fass. Now, I think that was just the visionary idea of the founding of, of Nefesh Befesh. I did not make Aliyah with this assistance to Nefesh Befesh. It came by myself. Um, And I think they realized that there was just a need for a boost.
8: Um,
10: I think whether that was an emotional or intellectual or spiritual boost. And it's amazing that we see already 35,000-plus people who are taking advantage, so much so that it's a small trend. We want it to be a bigger trend, but it's something that more and more people are are exploring that option and actualizing that dream.
0: By the way, speaking of numbers or whatever, because I don't think the number is important, but... You know, the first half of November, you know what goes on in this country the first half Mm -hmm. of November, especially when Yontif ends early. Everybody's in the throes of the academic year. You know, if anyone's thinking of Aliyah or, or really planning it, it's likely on the calendar you know, for later in 2013. It's likely toward the end of the year when people have a little bit of time off from work or it's more of a transition time. And the first of the year, of course, for many people in many industries, would be a transition time. So the first half of November, you wouldn't expect anybody to move to Israel. I assume you saw, maybe you were even there at the airport. Even this week, courtesy of our friends at Only Simchas, we were treated to a photo album online of it must have been at least 40 people who went on a group flight. And made aliyah even in a week like this.
10: It's true. It really is amazing. I mean, obviously those are less less families and right. more uh, couples or empty nesters and singles. Right. Uh, but we're seeing that it is uh, a year-round activity. Uh, it is it, it, going to the airport. And I know you had the pleasure of being oh. in summer to receive to re- to receive the plane.
0: Oh, was that amazing? Uh,
10: but I have to say that it was—it's just so um, amazing to get that energy, and it brings back a lot of positive things about my day that I was there and when I came 11 years ago. But it's just this amazing experience, um, and it just—it brings you—it brings so many different people together. There's their sizes, their shapes, the backgrounds, um, and that's really one of the special things about um, these ceremonies and group flights.
0: Uh, the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. Mark Rosenberg is with us live via telephone. He heads pre Aliyah for Nefesh Benefish. What's this uh physician paramedical component? I know that Sunday is a general think Israel Day and you'll be talking about careers and communities and education and everything that you guys do so well. But what's the uh, what's the physicians and medical component to all this?
10: it's really an interesting uh... trend um, uh... It's no, it's no secret that one of the biggest obstacles for people having a successful aliyah is um, the professions and finding a job. Yeah. We're having a special medical seminar for medical professionals, and we've done it a few years, and we've, we've it's sometimes better to do it every year and a half or every two years because it really lumps people together and they have to get their licensing and all the paperwork together. But we decided to do it again this year. We did it last year, so we, we did it under short time, and we already have about 150 doctors, nurses, and other other medical professionals coming together, meeting with. Um, the licensing professionals from Israel. Uh, we're bringing in one of the one of the people, one of the um, bureaucrats, if that's a nice way to say it, <laughs> who actually helps doctors make sure they're able to get recognized and, and get the uh, and the physical therapists and the OTs and everything to get together so they actually can transition faster into the, in, in the Israeli work uh, workforce.
0: Amazing. So it is
10: it is it is specified to these professionals. There's an incredible need for doctors in Israel. Um, the wave of Aliyah in the 1990s that brought many Russians, a lot of those Russian doctors are retiring. Um, if you haven't heard yet about the Terim Clinical System, which was founded by um, Olim from North America, the clinics that serve um, as stations for not-so-serious issues before people go to hospitals are being filled with lots of English-speaking doctors. So there is a great need for other medical professionals, and the nurse practitioners in Israel is a profession that is actually growing um, due to changes in the bureaucratic licensing processing. So we're specifically focusing parallel to you know the services and social network we're giving to the young professionals. Um, to give the boost, because these people need to get themselves together now if they're coming in the summer, because if they do so, then they're really going to have an easier transition.
0: Uh, NBN.org.il, 866-4ALIAH, aliyah 2 ways to get information about Sunday's event in New York. On Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, a similar Think Israel event down in Florida, is it essentially a duplicate of what's going to be happening in New York on Sunday?
10: It is a duplicate. There's probably a good chance a lot of New Yorkers who are down in Florida for, for their snowflakes and snowbirds will probably be there as well. I presume. All
0: right, that's good. That's happening at the Fishing Hall of Fame and Museum on Gulfstream Way in Dania Beach, Florida. Hope I pronounced that correctly. And you are anticipating the Consul General of Israel to the State of Florida to be a, a speaker there that night, right?
10: Yes, yes. I will be there as well. I'm actually visiting. I'm leaving uh, Mote Shabbat to come to New York and to Florida. Um, and we're, we're really hoping to uh, receive a good crowd. Already, our, our registration in New York is uh, um, around 400, and what? we not have that much in Florida, so we're really uh, welcome everyone uh, to come and be a part of this great event.
0: If I'm not mista- did you say 400 are already registered for New York? Yep. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, I believe you guys went into this thinking that 200 would be a success in New York, correct?
10: Yes, it was. Um, I think the the medical professional set part of it really um, has been a boost for us. Um, so we've seen more and more people saying, uh, can we come? We've had to expand um, breakout sessions for different professions uh, for on the medical uh, seminar part of it. But we're getting, uh, I think also you mentioned the timing of it. We really thought about now before Hanukkah, right. before Thanksgiving, before exams. We really want to make sure that before uh, people get too distracted with the next set of Chagim and and moving on, that will be able to, uh, really integrate this, uh, uh, this dream into a practical element of their
0: lives. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You, you, you get double the number of people to move to Israel, you get double the number of people to come to a seminar in New York. Sunday, everybody, 1230 it starts, 733rd Avenue with a special program for physicians and paramedical professionals whereby fast will be there and will speak. Ron prosor Israeli ambassador to the UN, will be there if you, uh, if you you, you, participants will enter a raffle to win a free ticket to israel you gotta register online nbn.org.il or 8664 aliyah if you know folks down in florida tell them tuesday night same event happening at the fishing hall of fame and museum again go to the website nbn.org.il or 8664 aliyah mark rosenberg always a pleasure speaking to you good luck sunday good luck tuesday i hope you meet a lot of people who will soon be your neighbors in Israel.
10: Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbat.
0: Shabbat Shalom, candlelighting at four seventeen on this Friday Air of Shabbos. Malcolm Homeline will join us. Weekly update coming up at JM and the AM or by of course, with words regarding Parshas by Yishloch. That'll be coming up as well. Uh, also keep in mind at nine o'clock this morning, just when you think all the great Jewish programming has come to an end, and no no no. It has not come to an end. Nine o'clock this morning is when Naomi Nachman is going to be uh, doing an amazing version of of Table for Two from Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. I'll have those details coming up for you right here at JM in the AM. Nine o'clock this morning. We're highly recommending it because I'm told she's given out a whole bunch of great stuff. So make sure, no matter what, make sure to at least stop by and say hi because she'll be giving out some amazing stuff with some great people who are partnering on this effort uh, coming up between 9 and 10.30 this morning on our stream at jmandtheam.org. And uh, you'll be able to watch it on our uh, on our network as well at Um Big thank you to ZK, who is on his way and ready to make things happen, as he always does. Uh JM and the AM. More coming up. Keep it at ninety-one point one FM, ninety point one FM in the Catskills on the web. JM in the AM.org.
2: In Calla <laughs>
0: And the a.m. Um, the great Risholm Kalbach, of course, on a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning Arab Shabbos. Malcolm, home line in the second. We'll do our weekly update, explore the events of this week, and try to figure out what's happening in this crazy world of ours. Oh, I just remembered. <laughs> it's rare. Malcolm can verify that we rarely speak off the air. People think we're in touch every day and prepare this segment and all that stuff. He'll verify that we rarely speak. And I was trying to remember why I actually called him this week and just just came to my mind. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who um, continue to enthusiastically recommend our live stream to their hundreds of thousands of readers. And that we continue to remind you, if you want to print out some great material to read over Shabbos, commentary, news, etc., head to JewishWorldReview.com and take care of it. Don't forget, at 9 o'clock this morning, our adventure in great Jewish radio continues on the stream at jmtheam.org, Naomi Nachman is actually doing her Table for Two program from AHC Appliances at 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. She'll be doing a whole bunch of giveaways, demonstrations, etc. Just for that, it's worth stopping by, folks. <laughs> Whenever they're giving away free stuff, we're highly recommending it. Uh, starts at 9 o'clock right after JM and the AM until about 10.30 on our stream at jmtheam.org. Uh, she'll be joined by Schiffer Klein from Joy of Kosher Magazine. Uh, Jay Booksbaum will obviously not be there. As we mentioned, uh, Jay lost his father yesterday, and our condolences to the entire Booksbaum family. But Shlomo from Royal Wines will be there to sub for him uh, and take care of that segment. I um, uh, want to thank our friends from Empire, Cold Foods uh, Meats, Gourmet Glot, Studio Ina and Oralee, Jewish Home, Jerusalem Florist, Fruit Platters, and more, all of whom are making it a very exciting show today. So it's 9 o'clock this morning. If you're in Cedarhurst, 530 Central Avenue, head on over and enjoy. And a kudos to Naomi Nachman, who continues to grow an unbelievable show, Fridays at 9 a.m. here at org. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JMN. Mr. Honline, welcome back to the show.
11: Thank you, and good
0: morning. I called you this week because I um, I, I think I told you that I was, I was glued to my computer watching... Um, uh, watching footage of the Rebbe. could you imagine? I was I was looking in at some of the encounters he had with world leaders. I'm sure you met him um, and and discussed uh, important things with him. And uh, Uri Savir, I mentioned to you, was one of the people I saw him speaking to about the whole peace process. It was fascinating. And then I saw him speaking to the current prime minister. Obviously, you know, many many years ago. And then I discovered online a a, a video. Um with a gentleman named Benjamin Natai. You know who Benjamin Natai is? Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know that the Prime Minister at one time, either he or his father, considered actually permanently changing their name to make it shorter and easier for people in this country. I never knew that.
11: I think because Netanyahu sounded too Jewish, Natai was better.
0: Nah, I don't know if that was the reason. <laughs> I think they just wanted to make no, it No, I'm easy. kidding. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I don't want anybody to take it
11: seriously. But it, 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 Netanyahu, for Americans, uh, I I know even many Jewish leaders sure. who still don't get it completely
0: straight. Oh yeah, if he wasn't this well known, they'd never get it straight. And um, and I want to tell you something. I I you know I, I, you've probably seen the video at this point. He's 28 years old, a student. He's fighting the case for Israel against the Palestinian state. It it, it is unbelievable to me how publicly he has maintained. And I know that people will argue with this because of different agreements he has reached over the years. But essentially, he has maintained such a consistent policy, uh, at least least in the way he speaks outside of Israel, Uh, when it comes to these issues. And it was fascinating to me. I mean, you could watch a video of someone like him, and you could say this about Abba Eben and other people as well. And, you know, listen to it 50 years later. It's all the same issues. It's all the same reactions. It's all the same analysis.
11: Well, there are two points I want to make. One is I just want to confirm that we never talk during the week. And, <laughs> and unfortunately, you. you will never give me a hint about what you're going to ask about.
0: <laughs> Including
11: this. <laughs> this the unrehearsed and, uh, uh, and, and unexpected, whatever you happen to come up with. Second, uh, what I think was remarkable about his appearance, and then I saw a similar thing, where which uh, Mayor Weingarten sent and used on your show, which I don't know if people watch the whole thing of, of Abba Ibn with Mike Wallace right. you know, on the tenth anniversary of Israel, and what's remarkable about both of those things take decades ago, is how similar the arguments are today. The same issues still come up. It's it's not as if technology and all the advances and the changes in the world. The same charges against Israel virtually, and you know slight changes in demography and demographics, but fundamentally, the questions that uh, Abba Ibn answered. So incredibly, and Netanyahu, and I've seen the pictures of him in that debate, the the film of that debate, right. where he, he demolishes the, the opposition, but it's the substance remains as relevant and as necessary today as it was then.
0: It's unbelievable. And, be, and people complain that sometimes you and I discuss the same issues week after week. This is <laughs> this is decades after decades. I mean, come on. It, really, it, it is remarkable. It, exactly. It really is not. It's, it's, just, it's just incredible. Uh, people love when we start with good news, and there's a lot of different types of news this week. and We'll try to get to everything, although that's usually impossible. But on the good news angle, and I know it's only a silver lining, believe me, I, I, we're beginning to understand the scope of this tragedy. But from the good news in regard to Israel's angle, could you explain the role that Israel, the IDF, rescue teams have had in the aftermath of this uh, this un- insurmountable tragedy in the Philippines?
11: Well, early this morning, Israeli doctors delivered a baby boy in the Philippines after they set up a field hospital just hours before two uh, big jumbo jets flew from Israel with almost 250 doctors, lawyer, uh, doctors, uh, nurses, uh, all sorts of paramedics and equipment to a place called Bogo, B O G O, where they they set up this field hospital, as they did in Haiti. I don't think you saw any from Saudi Arabia, the Gulf, and all the other countries. As China gave, I think, uh, initial contribution of uh, two hundred thousand or four hundred thousand dollars and because they were embarrassed they increased it to one point four or five million dollars um you don't see the the kind of response and israel quietly moved quickly to provide these resources with search and rescue teams helping to go through the the buildings uh and the the uh, appreciation for it of course is it's very great this is uh and this is operative already, and this island where it is uh, had a complete power failure, so they have to power their own uh, field hospital themselves. Wow. Uh, it's really amazing. But they landed Thursday, and by Friday morning, they already saved the baby's life.
0: Uh, yeah, and uh, I guess that was the baby who was named Israel, right? I read that somewhere, That uh, which happened in Haiti as well. That's right. right.
11: Um running around with names that people <laughs> will question.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, can you? And the efficiency is unbelievable. I mean, I, I know that Israel's prepared for everything at every moment, but uh you know, and I know this was not at a moment's notice, but it seems like it. When you know, when you have a scope of a tragedy like this, and the the they're they're set up. When, when you mention two hundred or two hundred and fifty personnel, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who are leaving family, business, you know, their usual work to go and volunteer like this, and obviously in a devastated area. Uh, I I hope people understand and appreciate what's going on. And you say other countries, you named some of the countries that did not participate in these rescue efforts. It's so important to make that point and to remind everybody that Israel's ready to jump in at any point. And by the way, if if the country was an enemy of Israel, they would have offered the help as well. Wasn't there an Iranian earthquake where Israel offered help? Absolutely. And if you
11: remember, after the tsunami and after other earthquakes where the governments were saying we're not taking aid from Israel-Muslim countries, and behind it you see an El Al plane landing oh. uh, loaded with uh, goods, and uh, here these special circumstances, because the IDF, uh, unfortunately by virtue of the experiences and need, and necessities of Israel's security and the uh, situation, uh, has this capacity and they will be there for a couple of weeks so think of that 14 days times 250 people and also you had you know people like Zaka and other uh, specialized uh, people with specialized skills in, after a calamity to to go through uh, the the buildings and to go into other areas uh, but I know there were pictures of them let the planes landing in Manila Uh, and carrying the equipment for the field hospital as well as the teams that were working in other areas.
0: Unbelievable. Sources report that the Prime Minister Netanyahu and Secretary of State Kerry have had several heated arguments behind closed doors about the course of America's Middle East foreign policy as it relates to Iran, the peace process with the PA, Hezbollah, Syria, Hamas. Etc. I don't know how important it is that these two men get along. You can comment on that if you wish. But in reality, what is happening? Could you explain to us what the Netanyahu-Kerry relationship is like right now?
11: Uh, It's not just uh, Netanyahu and Kerry. There were also conversations with the president, numerous uh, phone calls. Uh, There's also the overall question, not just of Israel's relationship, but... But first, you got to look at what's happening on Iran, and then how Israel fits into it. Some of the other countries, like Saudi Arabia, look at the Russians moving into the region. Look at some of the other things which we anticipated and discussed many weeks ago about as one of the uh, likely outcomes of the of what has been happening and how people perceive the United States and its relevance in the mm-hmm. Middle East today. So the. The, the P5 Plus One had a meeting in Geneva. They agree finally on a plan, which the French endorsed. The French differences, I think, were relatively minor. Uh, there are people who speculate that you know, Saudi Arabia is investing a lot of money in France in the agricultural sector and also in arms deals, uh, and that that might have been a factor in uh, in Fabius, the foreign minister of France's uh, public uh, rebuke of the deal, and then just uh, within a few hours he signed on to it. Uh, The content of the deal, till now, has remained secret. And many members of Congress, especially the Senate, yes, they were very angry because when Secretary Kerry came there, uh, he did not reveal the the
0: details. And and encouraged Congress to to stick by these sanctions, right? They encouraged encouraged Congress to support him in this effort to... uh, uh, to limit the sanctions?
11: To, to Well, state uh, we'll, this is the next stage. We'll come to that in a minute, because um, the, the, you have to understand the totality of where we are. We have sanctions imposed by the Congress and the administration, which, has, which is what brought Iran to the table. The debate, the secretary says, don't do anything now. We have a, 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 a deal on the table right. Till Iran and Iran walked away from the deal so far. Uh, and they're supposed to reconvene November 20th, give us a couple weeks, give us a month, give us six weeks till the end of the year. See if we can do it if you introduce new sanctions, the Iranians will walk walk away, use that as cover, excuse to, to walk away. Congress says, listen, what got them to the table was the sanctions. We're giving you additional armament by saying, here there are going to be more sanctions coming down on you. Right. In fact, the deal calls for relaxation of sanctions. Some say, the administration says, it's less than double digits. The Israelis say it's $40 billion uh, impact on Iran, meaning to Iran's benefit. Uh, administration says, listen, in the six months of negotiations, they'll lose more money than the benefit. There'll be more money frozen. Uh, they say that there's no uh, increase in... So on the financial level, that's a benefit. And the fear is that once you start eroding the sanctions regime, Russia, China, others will look to exploit it, and Europeans who will want to get in and not be left behind and thought that if the sanctions regime comes down or is significantly relaxed, Mm -hmm. that uh, others will benefit and they won't. So everybody wants to be in the first uh, line.
0: But one of your points is that I have to be careful when I say limiting sanctions because neither I nor Congress knows if that's what's really in the deal. Nobody really knows what's in it.
11: I can say it's in the deal. I I was in Washington this week. I met the top officials. I heard it myself, so I'm not Giving second-hand information, uh, I won't say with whom, but a, a very high level, and, and they, they, so so that on the one side is what they get. They get relief on sanctions, uh, mostly in regard to their ability to trade gold and uh, uh, release of funds that was frozen that were frozen <coughs> part of the pull of funds that were frozen under the sanctions in various countries the on the on the practical side I mean in terms of the program itself they would be able to continue the process of enrichment which is something israel and others object to, saying that there has to be a total stop they're saying that under the deal essentially from what we know it would be able to go at five percent but they wouldn't add to the stockpile whatever new enriched uranium they would have to take away some of the existing stockpile converted to gas or other things the twenty percent would all be converted into an oxide, to gas, and or rods, fuel rods, which can be used in reactors, but they say it would be harder to convert. Although you can reverse the process uh, to for uh, a nuclear weapon, the up uh, the all of the existing facilities remain. Nothing gets dismantled. The Iraq facility, where the plutonium plant, the uh, heavy water plant, uh, they're allowed to continue construction outside, but they're not allowed to do anything inside. In other words, to complete, we know that there are a lot of technical problems at, at, the, at the plant, at Iraq, so it's not a big sacrifice on their part. The uh, So the bottom line is that they could use this time to work on the weaponization. They can work on the missile delivery system. They have the capacity to develop enough enriched uranium in during the course of this six-month period that is supposed to be negotiated under the deal uh, enough for another bomb. And so therefore they're saying we get a relaxation For what? What is it, the price that the Iranians are paying? And even from that, they they still walked away, didn't sign. They may yet come back and sign and put everybody to the test. The Saudis, the Gulf, everybody, uh, Jordan, others, very upset about it. And we see that Russia moving in, signing a deal now with Egypt, uh, selling them very advanced weapons, air defense systems, new MiG-29s, Forty-eight percent of the Egyptian military is still based on their old Russian purchases. So those who argue, including things that we we have discussed here, uh, that they can't uh, reabsorb Russian equipment, it's not true. They can reabsorb it. They still are flying MiG-21s. More importantly to me is that the Russians get a port at at Alexandria. And I know there's there's a lot of details, but just give me another minute, because all of these things are really important in terms of what it is and why, why is Israel so strongly against this deal. Uh, because we know from history they were tested before. They, they publicly acknowledge, and Rouhani leading the pack, that he lies, he dissembled, he wrote a book about it, he, he was the negotiator. We know who they are. We know what, how they operate and that the, the internal pressures, uh, they say we have to worry, you know, they have their own constituencies, they have a constituency of one, and that's Khomeini. And what he says makes the difference. That's that's the policy that will be pursued. One of the Canadian papers had an editorial and said, we pay, they promise. And that really sums it up that uh, I think the administration tried to get the best deal in turn and to keep the coalition together. Uh, they say that new sanctions begin a march to war. The other side says n- n- without sanctions, we're going to have a march to war because any of the concessions, all of this, will ultimately lead not only to a, a huge arms race in the region, but to Iran being able to reach the breakout uh, point. And and as uh, Senator Corker pointed out, the sanctions don't take place for another three to six months. The meeting yesterday between the senators and Kerry was quite acrimonious and a lot of anger because of the the sense that that they weren't forthcoming. The uh, uh, and the differences over the assessments, and all of the experts, guys like David Albright, Ali Heinen, and former both former inspectors, one with the uh, who worked for the International Atomic Energy Agency. If you look at their estimates, they say that uh, that the low enriched uh, uranium of which they have seven metric tons uh, is sixty percent of the way, and once you enrich it three percent or three-and-a-half or five percent you can break away no matter what you don't need with the new centrifuges they have even though they're supposed to stop spinning the new ones nothing is dismantled none of the enterprises where these things are being built is dismantled and i think that the the refusal of khamenei to see the head of the iea and even though they're signing an agreement really tells the story that this is iran buying time that this is uh... not the basis or the kind of result that people want to see, both those in the region and outside the region.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Then who are these international inspectors, according to this morning's New York Times, who said that for the first time in years they saw evidence that the Iranians have put the brakes on their nuclear expansion.
11: Well, this is a a discussion that's underway about whether uh, in the last few months they have uh, scaled down. But you just
0: told us a second ago that the IAEA said that they had not scaled down.
11: So the IAEA, in fact, has been giving reports for the last few years since it was taken away from El turned, and, and Amano of Japan became the head of it that they've been telling the truth, um, Amano said, in fact, that the enrichment activities are ongoing. No radical change has been reported to him. That's his exact words. And uh, he, he, they were asked whether Iran was continuing the higher-grade enrichment work, and Amano said that's right. Now, this is the head of the IEA. They were not given access to the Parchin military base, where we believe that the nuclear tests, uh, explosive tests were taking place. They were not given access to many of the other facilities. They were given access to one uranium mine and to to the uh, um, plutonium plant, but only on planned visits, meaning that you can 't make a surprise visit. so we know what they will do right before the visit uh, takes place so they're, they're, but by the way, the agency also reported a slight increase in uranium enrichment. Uh, they said that they're, they're especially about the 20% grew by about 10 kilograms since August. What they're saying is others said that since Rouhani, the production was slower. It could be because, of course, it could be because of technical difficulties, not because there's a policy to to slow down.
0: Well, then it's an argument between you and the authors of this article. These, well, I'm the-
11: quoting to you directly the head of the I- IAEA that is supposedly
0: responsible for what you just quoted the slowdown according to diplomats familiar with the iranian work was clearly political not driven by technical problems but it was also and i guess this is really the biggest point here it was also easily reversible suggesting that iran was waiting to see what kind of relief from sanctions it could obtain from the west in the negotiations it, it, it's almost laughable that an article that analyzes whether Iran is or is not putting the brakes on their nuclear expansion, a paragraph or two later, is is analyzing it the way we are, that relief from the sanctions could be obtained from the West in these negotiations, and that's the only reason that Iran is going through this whole show.
11: And and also, Netanyahu addressed this, uh, and he said that the the, the reason that the report, What the report really is based on that there wasn't a further expansion. It wasn't the maintenance of the existing facilities. It wasn't as if they closed down a facility. They were talking about the fact that all along they've been investing fortunes into this, billions and billions of dollars, and that the slowdown in the expansion of its nuclear capacity, but that they have more than enough now to produce all that they need. And the, the issue we're talking about is will they roll it back? Will they dismantle the stuff? Will they... Uh, 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 limit the capacity We hope no enrichment We believe that that's the only way you can safeguard That's what this Five security council resolutions uh, Call for um, The secretary says that there will be Failsafe um, Conditions And, and uh, That the U.S. interests will, will guarantee That Iran will not have a nuclear weapon And the president Continues to, to say it Right. But we just don't know. So,
0: so yeah, I'm sorry.
11: We know what the history of Iran right. is, that they lie.
0: So, so this agreement that we really would not like to see formalized, quite obviously, if not for France, would it have been signed already? Would there have been a ceremony in Geneva if not for that opposition?
11: Well, in my discussions with U.S. officials about it, they say that that was grandstanding, that that was not true, and then, and France has signed on to, to the deal, and that the changes that France wanted were relatively minor, and as I said, some people believe that they were playing to the Saudis. Some people right. say that uh,
0: you know. It was so, a- if they reconvene on the twentieth, are, are we going to inevitably have some type of agreement here? I mean, no, I know there la- is an agreement. No, but but it's not, it has not been formalized. No.
11: Yes, the P five plus one put an agreement on the table, and now it's up to Iran to. Oh,
0: that's that's what I mean. I'm saying, will there be an agreement on Iran's side in a formal ceremony? You know, basically, you know, setting it in stone, making an a, an official agreement.
11: The Iranians are totally unpredictable. They're saying they want the right to enrich to be enshrined. There is no right to enrich. the u s. has told us and repeatedly that they will not put anything about the right to enrich. Um, the, the, the fact that they allow them to continue at five percent does rec- does essentially do that, does recognize their right to enrich or, or their enrichment process, even if we don't explicitly say so um so uh, I would say that uh, you know all, all, what the what the sanctions in the package do is to reduce uh, their capacity and the the ability right now <clears throat> but it's not a, any kind of in a guarantee yet for the future. Does it change what the negotiations this is a first stage right Remember, this is not the agreement. this is only a first stage agreement to enter, the real negotiation
0: does it change anything on the ground in other words if there would be a formal agreement and iran would agree does it put them under any more international political pressure to behave well
11: again remember that the details have not been released but i was told by again a high-ranking official that it does require regular even daily inspections of some facilities the question is, will they let them see all the facilities it does require them to stop the enrichment of the 20%, but, again, as I told you, with the new equipment, it's far less significant. It does say, supposedly, that the stockpiles can't be raised, so that they would have to convert the, even the 5% that goes beyond what the current stockpile, which is huge and more than enough for what they need. Uh, and, as I said, they couldn't continue construction of the um, plutonium plant in the inside construction of the of the facility.
0: Uh, who is um, who is Russia's most important allies now in the Middle East? Is it Syria and Egypt? Are they their two most important ones at the moment? Uh, who, who's t- the Russian most important allies of Russia right now? The most important relationships that Russia now has in the Middle East are they with Syria and Egypt?
11: Well. Egypt, it's developing, as you know, that they uh, broke apart after '67, and when the Russia equipment failed, and then there was a big divergence. Uh, they also never had really good relationship with the Gulf because they were seen as communists and atheists, et cetera. They essentially had been blocked out of the Middle East, and now, by virtue of, some say, the mistakes by the West, some say by their uh, own involvement in, and their huge military sales to Iran, to Syria, to other countries, and now perhaps to, to Egypt, which does say that they're not replacing the U.S. with Russia as the top ally, and uh, uh, and there's all sorts of rumors, as I said, about the deal making, arms sales, and other things that are coming up. So Russia today has one base outside of the of its territorial area and that's at Latakia in Syria. So for them, that's a critical uh, facility. Now they will perhaps have one at Alexandria, in Egypt. Uh, remember, Russia. Historically, has always feared Turkey, and it's you know sort of like the mouse and the elephant. But they've always feared an apoplectic. They are very concerned about the developments in the region that might affect Chechnya and the Muslim areas under Russian control. And member Russians in Russia, Muslims make up a very significant part of the population, especially the the peripheral areas. But even in the military, they are becoming a very significant part of the officer corps. Uh, Chechnya. They killed tens of thousands of Muslims there. They're always worried about an eruption. You have hundreds of Chechens fighting in Syria, uh, and they are looking all the time for energy because they want to control the flow of energy to Europe, which gives them leverage. They are uh, looking to, again to break out of the isolation that followed, or the limitations that followed
0: uh, the re- the
11: breakup of the former Soviet Union.
0: So the U.S. and Russia, which a few weeks ago you and I were talking about, you know, in their in, in the heated discussion, mostly about Syria, of course, and the, and the arms sales and who they are uh, supporting or not. Any difference over the last uh, couple of months in the Obama-Putin relationship in the U.S.-Russian relationship in general?
11: Oh, there have been a lot of points of tension. I, I don't see anything that's changed except uh, the picture of the king of Saudi Arabia with Putin. The pictures of uh, Lavrov now in, in Egypt shows that they are trying to fill a void. They're trying to take advantage of what they see as the West, and particularly the United States. Uh, diminished standing, and uh, that's likely to continue.
0: Do you know if the? I'm being serious. Do you know if the international community is looking at Obamacare and what's going on with our headlines over the last few weeks and reacting to the quote unquote inefficiency of Washington, or it's basically irrelevant outside of this country?
11: Well, it what's not. I don't know if the details of Obamacare particularly, but they should certainly watch watch the spectacle of the, the political infighting as we do of other countries. We watch what happens in. Iran or in Russia, and know that a leader is weaker or stronger, and whether he could take more advantage, less advantage of the situation. But uh, it, it's not directly linked to Obamacare. I do think that they see the paralysis, the uh, infighting, as an opportunity to exploit.
0: Uh, and also, I forgot to ask you about this last week. There was a report that the NSA, and this may not be any surprise to you or anybody else out there, the NSA spied in Israel and uh, is, Israel has been a target of spying by the U.N. by the United States National Security Agency, according to a New York Times report, citing documents leaked by former NSA contractor Ed Snowden. According to the report, the U.S. and Israel collaborate on intelligence gathering with the with Israel with the Israel Signals Intelligence or Sigint, SIGINT National Unit, a high level intelligence unit receiving raw NSA eavesdropping material from the U.S. and providing raw material from its own surveillance in return. So we learned from that. Something that you've always told us, which is that there is a high-level, very cooperative effort on an intelligence basis between the United States and Israel. But we also learn that the NSA goes a step further and actually spies on Israel. In other words, they do their own checks and balances on a very important ally. Uh,
11: Remember that we were spying on all our allies, Are probably. <clears throat> I mean, we did sixty. We monitored sixty-five million calls in one month in Spain. I, I'm still trying to figure out what they could have learned, but <laughs> the, uh, the spying on Merkel's phone, even maybe even her own cell phone, this was a, a, a. There was never a secret that the United States had agents in Israel. Uh, one of the points that was made is that Israel didn't go around arresting them. We should remember also that it's the beginning, the twenty-ninth year of of Jonathan Pollard's imprisonment. Right. And uh, we should never forget it, and remember that he is languishing there.
0: And even if you uh, even if you agree with the uh, with that he deserved a punishment, as you've pointed out, now it's beyond that. It is a uh, a uh, what do we call it? A human rights Uh, a. that it is a human rights issue. A human rights issue. Uh, a 16-year-old stabbed an Israeli soldier to death on a bus in an attack apparently motivated by the jailing of his relatives in Israel, police said. The killing in the northern Israeli town of Afula follows a surge of violence nearly uh, in the nearby occupied West Bank, where 10 Palestinians have been shot by, dead by troops and three Israelis killed since peace talks resumed in July. Now, we know that there is no full-scale intifada, thank God. And we, we've discussed this, whether, in fact... A threat. Of, we discussed this last week with Kerry's statement of a threat of an intifada, if in fact, uh, is even close to reality or not. But is, is there such an upsurge in violence, and uh, what I guess we could refer to as political violence, like this uh, attack and, uh, and murder of an Israeli soldier on the bus this week?
11: Yes, I think there's a sharp increase. We've seen attacks uh, both carried out or planned and uh, some that were, uh, thank God, caught. Um, but there have been uh, there's been a significant increase the question was whether this was uh, orchestrated were they individuals just uh, um, who were incited and it's one of the issues that is being raised that especially after secretary Kerry's visit to the region where right. he was highly critical of Israel and especially on the issue of settlements uh, but he did not. Go after Abbas for the incitement that continues from the Palestinian Authority, raising it all the time, You know, talking about construction on Al Quds Arabayat, and Temple Mount.
0: I don't even think you and I discussed the textbook article from the Times uh, about a week ago.
11: Right. Well, the textbook is one, but but and and by the way, the Hamas textbooks and then their PA textbooks, uh, UNRWA involvement in this, which is an issue we have discussed in the past, right. but it comes up all the time. But there there are blatant. Appeals still honoring uh, the martyrs. You know, when the the terrorists who were released by Israel came home, they gave them these uh, huge welcomes. And and the the uh, they get uh, uh, all the time they're in prison. They get a subsidy. You get it from the government from the Palestinian Authority. Six percent of their budget goes towards these uh, allocations. And the the bigger the crime and the longer your sentence, the more you, your family gets, the more uh, uh, money that that you get. Uh, and some can say that, you know, it's fungible from American money. It's not American money being used for it, but when you put whatever money you put in, and we gave them $75 million more this month, <laughs> they're not able to pay their electric bill to Israel, and the corruption continues, etc. So, uh, the, the, the question is, did they press them about the, the, this issue as much as they made these public uh, statements, and I, I think uh, the, the reference to a third intifada by the Secretary, I'm sure it's something he, he regrets saying
0: oh, i hope he regrets it uh,
11: but also uh, other comments where the onus is again being put on israel where israel is sitting at the table prepared to negotiate and the palestinians yeah. as we've seen in the past uh... are are obfuscating the team resigned the negotiating team from the palestinians resigned yeah. again something they've done regularly so it hasn't caused much excitement but they do it to grandstand and to make a political statement
0: and then to be... Yeah, controlled. come on. I heard this from Benjamin Netanyahu 30 years ago. Come on. <laughs> Listen, quickly, uh, now that he's officially foreign minister again, does Bibi have to worry about Avigdor Lieberman and public statements that he might make?
11: Well, actually, he's become the great conciliator in talking about how we have to... Israel and the United States have to work together right. and
0: try so to
8: that.
11: tone down things. So maybe his absence is... <laughs> Made the heart grows on him. He's had a but,
0: change of heart.
11: But, but uh, to just to answer that, I wanted to just go back. Yeah. But there's a second side to when you talk about Palestinian violence, and that's what's going on in Gaza, where Israel hit launchers because they were fired. They fired oh, of course,
8: mortar. right, right.
11: And this was the anniversary of the war, a la- uh, conflict last year. Right. Uh, and you saw thousands and thousands of Hamas security people take to the streets and demonstrations. But separately, Islamic Jihad had about 6,000 fighters in the streets with some of them with anti-aircraft uh, missiles for shoulder filed, fired, the mobile rocket launchers, and other things that they put on display uh, during the demonstration. And it's estimated that Iran still gives $50 million a year to, to Islamic Jihad. And uh, while they diminish the amount of money to Hamas, we believe that they may, uh, that, that it continues. Uh, even today.
0: All right, uh, way over time, and at least, thank God, we got to scratch the surface of some of these issues, but I must ask you, aside from the lesson that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, aside from that, what else do we learn this week uh, regarding the anti-Semitic episodes at the Pine Bush School District?
11: That it's everywhere, and that you have to stand up to it, that you cannot uh, turn a blind eye, that you, you create, that the fact that it was kids doing it, if it in fact was just the kids doing it, they hear this at their homes, that they, it doesn't can't be dismissed as youthful excesses. The fact that the governor and others have come out strongly calling for the investigation, calling not allowing this to be swept under the rug is very important and I know for many people they may think that, you know, these things are marginal. They're not. They're symptoms and we know that, you know, when there is smoke, there's fire, that that we have to look Beyond the surface of what this all means, and that's why the whole campaign of delegitimization, the rise of anti-Semitism in Europe, and here too, I think the, the, uh, in, in a different kind, and perhaps it's not, maybe not as blatant and as visible, but we certainly have enough anecdotal reporting. People have to learn one thing in particular. Report anti-Semitic incidents. Mm-hmm. Reported. The fact is that three quarters, they say, of, of incidents in Europe and here do not get reported. People don't bother to take the time. It's a mistake. You don't have to wait. Till, God forbid somebody is seriously hurt. The way you prevent it is by taking action and demanding follow-up and seeing what law enforcement and officials do. It's not the fact that you have haters in this society. It's how do, do the law enforcement, how do our authorities deal with it, and the lesson of this school, which easily could be overlooked or people could transfer their kids, it's an, it's got to be confronted and dealt with. And whether and it doesn't matter the source of, uh, of this. And when those who seek to divide us and those who seek to undermine us, whether from inside or outside, those who... Engage in these kind of practices. It's not acceptable if it's against Israel, because it's really against us as well.
0: Well said, and the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Hey, Malcolm, join me. We have a big JM and the AM Simcha. Join me in wishing a ma- You know Robert Katz very well. Join me in wishing a mazel tov. Jason Katz and Rebecca Fine got engaged last night.
11: Wow. This is a
0: second-generation JM in the AM first engagement. How do you like that? We're growing old here together. <laughs> anyway. Sounds like UN language is the first <laughs> engagement of this.
11: Well, okay. Well.
0: <laughs> I tried to make it as but complicated. He's a wonderful
11: guy, and, and they deserve a lot of nachas.
0: There you go. So to Rebecca. Yeah,
11: everybody F- having.
0: Rebecca Fyde, Jason Katz, Bazaltov, and uh, we are celebrating here at JMNA. Malcolm, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak Shabbat. again next week. Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us. For the weekly update Fridays at JMN, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach, candle candlelighting earlier than ever. 417, my gosh. I know nothing ever, but you know what I mean. Partly cloudy, a high temperature fifty-seven. Reminder: just twenty oh no, thirty-five minutes from now. Thirty-five minutes from now, Naomi Nachman is going to be on the stream with Table for Two. She always does a great show, but this week is extra special. She's doing a live show from Cedarhurst at AHC Appliances. Make sure to stop by because there'll be great cooking demonstrations, giveaways, etc., etc., etc. So you want to make sure to be there. Uh, That is happening uh, this um, morning between 9 and 10.30 at 5.30 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. Go and enjoy. Naomi continues to grow an unbelievable show every Friday at 9 a.m. on our network here at jmnam.org. And we thank her. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
12: Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas VaYishlach. Parshas VaYishlach is a very significant parsha. Yaakov Avinu, after having been twenty years by his father-in-law Lavan, returns home to Eretz Yisrael. In this parsha of confrontation. You have Yaakov meeting up with the guardian angel of Esav, and, as the Torah tells us, Vayi Yaakov Levado, will return to this Pasuk shortly, Yaakov literally remained alone, Vayi'ovek Ish Imo, and literally a man wrestled with him, Ad Alos HaShachar, until the break of dawn. And the Ramban, Nachmanides, in his commentary on this Pasuk, is so powerful. Says the Ramban, it's not only that the Torah is telling us of an incident in the life of Yaakov. More important and more significant, it refers to the Jewish people and, says the Ramban, the Torah is telling us, A, the Jewish people will be alone. B, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a constant wrestling between Israel, the descendants of Yaakov, and the guardian angel of Esau, Rome and the rest of society ad alo haachar literally until the end of the night which is the galus which is the long exile that we pray we are very much at the end of we we are presently in jewish history and what is going to be the outcome, look a little further. The Torah tells us, we're in chapter 32, Yaakov's being alone was Pasuk 25. And if you look further, the Torah tells us, in Pasuk 32, Vayizrach lo Hashemesh, literally the sun rose for him, the sun heals him from his wound that he received, which, by the way, in this parasha, you have the third mitzvah that is found in the book of Bereshis, that of the prohibition of eating the gid ha the sinew on the thigh, because Yaakov was injured by the angel when he fought with him. So the Torah tells us, What's going to be the end? The end is going to be good. But unfortunately, says the Ramban, in the process, Yaakov is hit in the area of procreation, thereby telling us that unfortunately, he will lose children throughout history, either to persecution or to assimilation. I'd like to focus on those three words, Vayi Vaseyar, Yaakov Levado, and Yaakov was left alone. And the Gemara in Chulin Amar Aleph 91a, understands this Pasuk to mean not only literally that Yaakov was alone, thereby providing the environment and arena for him to be attacked, but furthermore, addressing why he was alone. After all, the Torah tells us in the immediate preceding verses that, (speaking) Yaakov took his family, (speaking) he literally brought them and crossed over the stream, (speaking) And he brought over as well all his possessions, or I should say his possessions. However, by Yavaser Yaakov Levado, then Yaakov was left alone. And the word Levado is understood not simply that he was alone, but as the Das at Tosvo's point out, al Levado don't only understand the word Levado to mean alone, but rather Lechado, but for his literally jars, for his, quote, incidentals. Namely, that Yaakov went back to retrieve Pachim Kitanim incidentals, what you and I would call, and at first glance, it seems most challenging to understand why Yaakov would put himself at risk of being mugged for some jugs, and what we would think to be not very important or significant items, and especially Yaakov is a comfortable man, or he's a very rich man. So, Listen carefully. Rebbe Lazar in the Gemara Chulin teaches us that regarding the Sadikim Mikam tzaddikim Shechaviv Aleyem we see that regarding the righteous, their property is most precious to them. Why? The Fishayim Poshtin Yedeem Begezel. For they do not engage in thiever, thievery. They don't engage in stealing. Now, Rav Yosef Salant, Zechad Tzadik Levracha, in his Be'er Yosef, offers the following very keen insight. He quotes the Gemara in Yuma, Lamid Ches Amid Beis, that teaches in the name of Ben Zoma. That, and I quote... B'Shimcha, literally, by your name. Yikraucha, are you singled out? U'bimkomcha yoshivucha, literally, you get, and you are put in your place what's coming to you. Mishelcha yitnulacha, literally, what's coming to you, is you will get, and ain adam nogeya bemuchan l'chavero, no one literally encroaches, Upon that which is coming to you or the next one, and the Amalchus no gasp chavrta afilu kimlo nima, meaning that the reign of one king cannot usurp nor encroach the reign of his predecessor even a hair's breadth. In simple English, Everything that comes to you is given to you with exactitude. One's livelihood and position in life is destined with incredible precision on high. And therefore, Hashem thus gives each person what they need, when they need it. Therefore, everything that one is given is given them to fulfill their unique function and destiny in this world. Just like the Orachayim HaKadosh explains on the Pasuk in Shmos in Mishpatim, Im Kesef Talveh Eshami, when you lend money to my people, Esheroni Imach, to the poor person who is with you, it means that Hashem entrusted you with additional money, why? To lend to the poor, or more specifically, Hashem gave you what the poor individual needs, what the ani needs, imach is with you, so that you have the opportunity to give. And therefore, what's at stake here is the concept of hashgacha pratis, divine providence. And Yaakov is teaching how everything is to be appreciated, everything is to be evaluated and ultimately utilized in a productive fashion. And therefore... Yaakov is teaching that there is no such thing as Pachim Kitanim. There's no such thing as something which is incidental, something which is unnecessary. If God has given it to a person, it's to be used. And therefore, Yaakov Avinu goes back for Pachim Kitanim. There's a delicious medrash that substantiates this lesson. The Yalkut Shimoni in Rus, Chapter 607 relates that a pious person, a chassid, lost his fortune. And while working as a day laborer, Eliyahu Navi appeared to him, offered him six good years of plenty. And he was to choose if he wanted them now or at the end of his life, ensuring that he wouldn't have to worry In his retirement years, he consulted with his intelligent wife, who advised him, take the good years immediately. And miraculously, their children found a treasure to maintain them comfortably for six years. His wife of sterling character said that once Hashem has shined His countenance upon them, they should share their wealth with others. Perhaps He, Hashem, would extend their good fortune, and she had her child transcribe daily their charitable acts and beneficence. At the end of six years, Elio came and announced that the divine infusion was over, and he came to retrieve the remaining monies. And the man said, as I took the money based upon the counsel of my wife. I will only return the balance with her counsel. Her response was, Tell Eliyahu, if you have found more deserving individuals to entrust the money, then take it. Thereupon Hashem evaluated their acts of kindness and showered them with more blessings, enabling them to do more kindness. I believe that the lesson that Yaakov is teaching regarding actualizing potentials is not only to be understood regarding one's material possessions, but indeed, all virtues, all characteristics that each and every individual is endowed with. And thus, on the Pasachim Voracious Na'aseh Adam, let us make man, the Mefershim explains so powerfully that Hashem said, Man who is created last. I'll take from all the creations, from all the creatures, and I'll incorporate the unique, yet diversified qualities of each, and infuse them into man. Each person is given, however, a different mix of all of the above traits. And, as the Yiddish expression goes, alles v'ayenim einem by No one has it all. However, what you do have, don't squander. What you do have, don't allow it to remain unused, and certainly not misused. And therefore, one who's blessed with more chachma, with more wisdom, and the ability to discern and analyze, dare not waste and allow and allowed to lie dormant his intellectual abilities. And similarly, with one's health, one must appreciate this gift and nurture God's gift of health and even one's physical appearance. And I'll tell you something on a very personal note. I encouraged my young children when they were young to brush their teeth. How? By telling them they should brush Hashem's teeth. It was nothing less than a gift that Hashem had given them. And therefore, they had to take care of them. Courage, leadership, and strength are among the many qualities that Pachim Kitanim teaches. We have to be careful not to allow them to be wasted. And it's interesting that Rabbi Lez said that the tzaddikim are careful with their possessions as they do not engage in theft. And I'd like to suggest, what does that mean? Not only literally that they don't engage in stealing, the Vilna Gaon, as cited at the end of the Sefer Malas HaTorah, written by his brother, Reb based upon the Pasuk, and that which we say in the davening, the same grant our share in your Torah. The GO notes that as each person has their specific Tafkid, their purpose and function to contribute to this world, Hashem endows them with the necessary qualities and virtues to accomplish that Tafkid and succeed. And just as at the conclusion of Yom Kippur, in the Neilah service, we ask for forgiveness, Laman nechdal me oshek yodeinu from the theft in our hands. And what does that mean? It means all of us are stealing. So Rav Salvechik, of suggested that indeed, at the core of all sins is theft. What does that mean? Stealing, misusing Hashem's gifts to us in a way that Hashem never intended. And similarly, Yaakov's returning for Pachim Kitanim demonstrates that not actualizing our abilities and potential, that too is a form of thievery. That too is a form of stealing. Having received gifts from Hashem but failed to use them to their fullest. And therefore, the very powerful lesson that comes out of Parshas, is that there's no such thing as Pachim Kitanim, And may we be privileged to use all the gifts that Hashem has given us in the right way. Shabbat Shalom to
8: all.
13: In love on guarding love on guardicnits voice I'd switch of our deep in love on guarding love on guardicnits voice tarnits voice of our in love on guarantee in love on garthi.
0: Love on Leif Tahar at JM I want to thank Mark Rosenberg for joining us earlier. The Think Israel event with Nefesh Benefesh is this Sunday in New York City at 733rd Avenue with a special program for physicians and paramedical professionals as well. This is aside from the regular presentations on careers in Israel, education, Finding and building your community in Israel. Go to nbn.org.il or 8664 aliyah. I want to thank Rabbi Findel and the mayor of Road, both of whom joined us earlier. Their dinner is coming up Monday night. Mazal tov to all the honorees. It's happening at the uh, Times Square, New York Marriott Marquis. You can go to stayrot.org. Stay Stayroth with a D, S D E R O T, uh, for information. Candle lighting at 417 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaishlach. We are minutes away, 13 minutes away, from presenting Naomi Nachman's Table for Two program on our stream at jamnam.org That we do every Friday, but today it's live from Cedarhurst from AHC Appliances, 530 Central Avenue. And I'm giving you a very important hint. If you like demonstrations and giveaways, stop by the stores sometime between now and 10.30. That's my hint. Good job by Naomi, and we thank her. And and I want to thank Shlomo from Royal Wines. Um, He is replacing Jay. As we mentioned, um, uh, Jay's father, Morris Booksbound, passed away. The funeral was yesterday, and our condolences to the Booksbound family. And uh, Shlomo from Royal Wine is going to be replacing him at the show this morning, so we thank him for the the last-minute um, rush to make sure that we'd have the uh, wine-pairing uh, segment on. And um, uh, don't forget, uh, Monday here, JM in the AM, we kick things off for your brand-new week. Uh, starting at 6 a.m. But before that, we have amazing weekend programming. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Um, Matis hosts J.M. Sunday. 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. Elliot Weiselberg is doing an amazing job with court reports. 7 p.m. Sundays. Fresh new program every Sunday at 7 p.m. Yeshiva Hockey, Yeshiva Basketball, the whole thing. By the way, Monday morning we'll have details, more details about Tuesday night's gathering in Cedarhurst when we have the stunt show uh, presented. We're going to be airing it on Thursday, but we're going to be uh, doing it on Tuesday when Daniel Gordon and his team and a whole bunch of other teams, that's how it's being promoted, it's Daniel Gordon and his team and a whole bunch of other teams will be trying to build the Manischewitz Hanukkah house in competition with each other. And see who could do it faster uh, than the others that night. Uh, so, I'll we'll have details about that on Monday. That uh, is going to take place Tuesday night. So, if you're in the Cedarhurst area Tuesday night, come on down and say hi. Should be a lot of fun doing that show and having yet another stunt show competition on the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs> uh, should be a lot of fun and should be very interesting. Um, by the way, yesterday, I don't know how many of you heard the live lunch yesterday. Well, actually, uh, we do know close to how many people heard the live lunch yesterday. So aside from those millions who tuned in, uh, if you didn't hear the live lunch yesterday, you missed my conversation with Aaron Schechter from Adorama. Uh, we had a long talk about GoPro, he and I and Dr. Stephen Rudolph. We had a long talk about GoPro, and it looks like... Um, Aaron is ready to give us a GoPro so that people can get a perspective of what it's like to sit in this chair and what it's like to be on stage at a concert. I think we could do some really cool things with it, and he is all in, as he said. So uh, hopefully we'll have some cool footage at some point in the near future where you'll get a behind-the-scenes or maybe a f- in-front-of-the-scenes look at what happens in the world of Jewish radio. Candlelighting 417, it's JM in the AM as we continue with the great Vincian Schenker. I
4: you me. so Somebody's gone, so KALO the Wie ist das Scherben mit alle
0: Don't forget, if you missed the uh, weekly update with Malcolm Homeline. we have a podcast of the weekly update. You could sign up. Just go to the uh, news section of org, and you will see the um, uh, the offer to have the podcast sent to your inbox on a weekly basis. Weekly update podcast is there. Plus, uh, there's a section in our news uh, uh, list over there at jmnam.org where you could sign up for our weekly newsletter and be kept up to date on what's happening in the incredible world of great Jewish radio. So check that out, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll receive that Mondays in your inbox. And trust me, you'll be glad you did. Two weeks from now, we're going to be in the midst of the holiday of Chanukah. Could you imagine that? Yeah, it'll be Thanksgiving weekend, and it'll be Hanukkah already. Hard to believe. Incredible. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach with candle lighting at 417. Again, a very special Mazel Tov going out. Uh, to Jason Katz and Rebecca Fine, recently engaged couple, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Time to say Good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. i mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, Around the world in the web, jm And again a reminder, coming up next on our stream, Naomi Nachman is live with Table for Two from AHC Appliances at 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. That's where she's going to be cooking and giving away stuff. Go have fun uh, on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Wonderful weekend, everybody. Don't forget that Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami is tomorrow night at 10. Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning at 7, all on the stream at jmnam.org. Till next week, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.